Well, it's lovely to be sharing God's word this morning, and I want to tell you I am excited. And I hope you're excited as well. You know, that worship was great, wasn't it? That worship was really good. And I love that one about being a house of miracles. And you know, I believe that's what God has in store for this place, that we are a house of miracles, and we are going to see miracles in this place. Now I'm speaking on prayer this morning and uh, I have to tell you, prayer is my very, very favourite subject. I love it. And so we're, we're looking at, um, we're doing a series on the tr- transforming power of worship and praise. And, uh, and I'm looking at with power, uh, yeah, prayer and praise. And I'm looking at prayer this morning. And, uh, you know, when Phil kicked off this series on prayer, he, he asked how many people had endured a boring prayer meeting. And in this church, most hands went up. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up today because probably every hand will go up. But unfortunately for me, I've been in charge of at least two of those prayer meetings. <laughs> it wasn't that one, But you know, it shouldn't be like that. Because there should be a passion. Everybody who is a believer should be a passion in our hearts to see God's kingdom come. There should be a passion in our hearts to see lives change. There should be a passion in our heart for the church. There should be a passion in the heart for the things of this world that need to be changed. We need to have passion in our hearts. And you know, when we come together in prayer, that's what it should be like. It shouldn't be boring at all. So my conviction is that simply praying is the most important thing we should do. However inept or bumbling we feel when we do it, it's important. The most intimate communion with God comes only through prayer. And as our prayer life grows, God will reveal more of himself to us. Prayer is the key to unlocking God's power in our lives. Through prayer, God can change circumstances, relationships, anxieties, despair and health issues. His power can help us face our daily struggles. In fact, whatever we are facing in our lives, God can deal with it only if we allow him to come, if we allow him to, come to us in prayer, if we come to him in prayer. As we learn the power of prayer and as we submit more to our Heavenly Father and lean on Him and not on our own understanding, we will come to realise that God's supernatural power is available to all of us who are convinced to the core of our being that He can make a difference. If we do not pray, then God cannot reveal the plans and purposes for our lives and and the same goes for the church. If a church doesn't pray, then it will not grow and know God's plans and purposes for it. It will not have a vision. If a church has forgotten how to pray, it is a dead and lifeless church. I just want to emphasise that point by sharing a story with you. I read a book uh, on prayer once. Well, I read a lot of books on prayer, but this particular book on prayer... Um, there was a story in it about a church in America, this is a true story, a church in America that was in a deprived part of uh, New York. 
And the pastor there died. And his son, who also happened to be a pastor, he took over the church. Well, when he took it over, he discovered there was only 20 to 30 people there. And half of those people were vagrants who just come into the church to keep warm on a cold winter night that they have in New York. And he kept going with this church for about three months. And uh, nothing happened. The church was dead. And so one day he said to the congregation, he said, every Wednesday night we're going to have a prayer meeting and everybody must come. No exceptions. Everybody must come. If you do not come, I'm going to close this church down. Now there have been people in that church who've been going to the church for years and they didn't want the church to close down. So they said, okay, we'll come to the prayer meeting. So they all came to the prayer meeting. And it was a slow process, but during the weeks and the months that, that followed, people started hearing from God. Steep, people started getting visions. Steeple, people started getting words from God. And they became excited about it. And they would tell their friends. And then more people would come to the prayer meeting. And more people would come to the church. That church today, when I read about it, which is a few years ago now, now 5,000 people attend that church. That's what happens with the power of prayer. That's what happens when people come to church and they're prepared to pray and give their all to God. And you know, we've also had, for those of us who are from St. Matthew's, we've also had a situation in, in, in this church where a few, few years ago, when uh, a group of us were praying in the old vicarage, we used to have a prayer meeting every Wednesday night, I think, it, no, it was a Thursday night, have a prayer meeting on uh, Thursday night. Two people, in, two individual people, one on the inner road and one on the avenue, saw a man with a bowl of fire going through to the church. They rung the police because they thought they were setting the church on fire, but it wasn't. There was no opening, there was a, um, a fence across the thing, there was no opening, and they just walked through it. That wasn't, um, that wasn't a human being. And, you know, this is what happens when we pray. It's exciting. I love it when the church comes together and prays. We can make such a difference. And we also know from, from history, from, from Bible verses, that there are many nations that have been saved through prayer. Many lives changed. We read the story of Peter uh, in prison. What happened? People praying for him and suddenly his chains came off and he's released. You know, those things still happen today when people come in prayer. Now in a moment I'm going to read from uh, Psalm 37 verses 1 to 11. But before I do that, I just want to say the book of Psalms could also be called the book of prayers. And I don't know about you, but if I'm struggling with prayer, and sometimes I do, then I get the book of Psalms and I read a few Psalms, and that gets me started, that gets me motivated, that warms my engine, if you like, and gets me going. So if you feel the same, the, the Psalms is a wonderful book that you can read uh, and there's beautiful Psalms in there that we can use. And the Psalm I'm reading this morning is from King David. And I love King David because he says it how it is. You know, if he's hurting, he says, I'm hurting. If, he's, if he is angry with God, he says, I'm angry with God. 
But if he's absolutely overjoyed with the love of God, he shows that. So he expresses all his emotions. And that's how we should be in prayer as well. Not hold anything back. Say to God exactly how it is. So I'm going to read the psalm. It's going to be on our screen. It's Psalm 37, 1 to 11. If you've got your Bibles, I don't know what page it's on, but basically Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. So if you want to look it up, it's about the middle of the Bible. So 37, 1 to 11. So, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. A wonderful psalm of David. And I could preach on so many topics in that, that psalm that I could stay in front of you for two or three hours, but I'm sure you don't want me to do that. But there is a verse that I want to highlight this morning and a verse that I want to speak on, and it's in verse 7. And it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now, I don't know about you, but I am not a particularly patient person. I don't like waiting. I want things to happen straight away. And therefore, I have every sympathy with King Saul when Samuel told Saul to go to Gilgal and wait seven days for Samuel to come to offer the sacrifice before going into battle. We know from the story that Samuel didn't turn up at the due time and Saul faced with a massive army and his own men deserting him. He offered the sacrifice himself which had massive consequences for him. But you know, I think I would have done exactly as Saul did because I find it hard to stay patient. And when you have impossible odds stacked against you and you believe by taking it into your own hands, you can see a way out. The trouble for me is that I am used to making my own decisions. For well over 30 years before I retired, I ran my own business. I wasn't answerable to anyone. That was perfect in my work life, but not so good in my relationship with God. You see, just like Saul, I would believe I could deal with the situations and I didn't need God to tell me what to do. So instead of bringing all my issues and problems to God, I would attempt to work them out myself. In fact, what I was saying to God, I don't need you, I can do better on my own. But when you think about, about it, how stupid to think like that. We have recently celebrated the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, 70 years on the throne, and really something to celebrate. She's been a fantastic Queen, and I love that she has a faith. However, 
We worship a God who's been on the throne a heck of a lot longer than that and will stay on the throne to the end of time. God must have heard and answered billions of prayers and know the answer to every issue. Every problem that has beset the human race, he is a source of wisdom. And whatever we are going through, he knows the perfect remedy. So therefore, it seems obvious that we should seek his advice from the beginning and not spend unnecessary time trying to work it out ourselves. Something I'm learning to do. Now, I'm sure, like me, there are many in this church this morning that have been praying for breakthrough in your own life or in the life of a loved one for a long time. Maybe it's for a friend or family. Waiting can be so hard, especially if you see rays of hope, then those hopes are dashed and you find yourself back at square one again. Sometimes you feel like giving up, but something inside of us keeps us praying. Something inside us keeps believing and keeping the faith. We need to be like that widow that Jesus spoke about who came before a judge for justice and wouldn't give up until she was given what she wanted. Persistence is the essence of successful prayer. The greatest victories are often the results of great waiting. What does it mean to be still? In the context of this passage, be still before the Lord. In my mind, being still means to be quiet, being in a place where we're, on alone, we're all alone and shutting out the outside world, shutting out the noise all around us. That's what I feel about being still. Now, as we know, the Old Testament was largely written in Hebrew. And for some reason, and I don't know why, I was led to look up, be still in Hebrew and discovered that it doesn't mean be still at all, as it says in most Bibles. The Hebrew word is rapha, which literally means to give up, to surrender. So for me, this puts a different meaning to this passage. It's like God is saying, stop striving, stop rushing around, stop trying to work it all out, stop trying to do everything in your own strength. Trust in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. We have to live by faith. We must have confidence in what God can do in our lives. God is sovereign. What he says he will do, he will do. What he says is going to happen, is going to happen. Who he says he is, is who he is. Every purpose and promise of God will be performed on the earth and in our lives if we choose to trust him. Everything in the Bible is ours. Every word that comes to life as we read it comes to life and we can claim it and it will happen by the Spirit of God in our lives making it happen. As believers, we know that the Holy Spirit lives within each one of us. While I've been preparing this talk, God has been speaking to me and making me look at things in a new way. One of the things he spoke to me about was the Holy Spirit and he revealed to me something which I've never really thought of about in this way. He took me back to the time of Moses when God brought the nation Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. As they journeyed, God went with them in a tent called the Tent of Meetings where Moses spoke with him each and every day. Further down the line, we come to David who decided that it wasn't right that God should live in a tent and a temple should be built for God. 
Nathan the prophet told David that he was not the one to build this temple because he had too much blood on his hands. But his son, Solomon, would build the temple when he came to the throne. However, God gave the plans to King David and told him exactly how it was to be built, the size, the materials to be used, to the minutest detail, even the colour of the handles, if they had handles in those days. Every detail was given to David. And as we know, David started to amass all the materials that would be needed to build the temple. And just before David died, the plans were passed on to his son Solomon to build the temple. But there is something that we often overlook. The temple was built in relative silence. The Bible tells us that only blocks dressed at the quarry were used and no hammer, chisel or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. They were building on holy ground and when you stand on holy ground you do not make a noise. And when we think about it, this foreshadows something so important to us. God has never had a physical place on earth until this temple was built. And in a, simpler, in a similar way, God now has a temple where he resides. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God. When we committed our lives to the Lord Jesus and asked him to come into our lives, when we believe that Jesus died on the cross and took away our sins, he came in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who is God, and he took up residence inside our physical bodies. Let me tell you something this morning. You didn't come here to meet with God. Everyone who is a born-again Christian brought God with them into this church. Have you ever thought about it like that, that this way? You brought God with you, and he goes wherever you go. But this is the thing that struck me. Just as David, just as God gave David a plan for the physical temple, God has a plan and purpose for the temple in each of our lives. The temple built by Solomon was perfect in every detail and was created by master craftsmen. Likewise, God is a master craftsman and he wants to build a perfect temple in each of us. As we submit and surrender to him, he will remove those broken stones and rotten wood and replace it with new. He does it in silence. He doesn't make a lot of noise, but quietly transforms our lives. One day, <clears throat> we will find that those things that we thought, did, or were addicted to gradually melt away as he moulds us and shapes us into the people he wants us to be. But there is something that we must do for God to be able to do this. We must spend time with him. We must spend time with him in our own secret place, in prayer, to know him more and to give him access to our inner being. Now, I have loads and loads of books at home on prayer, <clears throat> but there's only about three that I would ever read again. That is because some books say that you must pray in a certain way, which I don't think is helpful, and some books lay a burden on you and make you feel guilty unless you're praying four or five hours a day. I don't believe any of this is right. It is said that Moses spoke to God as a friend, 
This is the key, I believe. When I meet with friends, I don't talk to them in a formulaic way. I talk naturally to them. And that is how I believe we should talk to our Heavenly Father. And I believe that this is the way he wants us to speak to him. Also, I believe that we should not be burdened by the amount of time we spend in prayer. As long as we spend time with him each and every day, and it is quality time. What I mean by that is that at some time of the day, we give him our undivided attention. The clue to how we should come to him is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, which says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We are called to pray, and being obedient to God means we will pray. We give thanks along with sharing our concerns. In every prayer, we know God hears us. There is never a time when God doesn't hear us. Whether the answer is yes, no, or not now, we are called to pray, and we can be assured that God will answer. We mustn't be people of God who only pray when we are in need. A life filled with Christ means we will go to him in good times and times of times when things are not going quite so well. We will not only pray for ourselves, but also pray for others, family, friends, strangers, and yes, even our enemies. Praying is an act of obedience. When we pray, we are opening a line of communication with God, and it is comforting to know that he is with us, attentive to our prayers. There is power in praying in the name of Jesus. People get healed, people get restored, people commit their lives to Christ through prayer. It can change towns, cities, and even countries when we pray. As people of God, prayer is the most important and effective weapon we have, but we must use it if we want to see lives changed. Now I'm going to finish with a poem. This is by an unknown soldier of the American Civil War, but this sums up beautifully what it means to allow God to have his way in our lives. So this is the poem. I asked for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I would do greater things. I was given grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing that I asked for, but all that I hoped for. My prayer was answered. I was most blessed. Can I ask you to stand? The group want to come back. You know, if we want to see change in our lives, if we want to see God's kingdom come, if we want to see life changed, if we've got family members who we want to see changed and, and going through difficult times, we need to pray.
And you know, I strongly believe as well that as a church, we need to be a praying church. And if I can just uh, share with you, before the service on a Sunday morning, I come in at 10.15, there's a little room on the, as you come in on the right-hand side. I'm there at 10.15 on a Sunday morning. It'd be lovely if people started to come to that and pray for the service before we get started. Because it's important. You know, prayer is so, so important. If we want to see God's kingdom come. You know, this island, home of ours, I just want to see revival in it. And it's not going to happen unless we pray. Every revival that has ever happened starts with prayer. Everything in, really starts with prayer. So, can we just pray? Father, I just thank you that you are the God of miracles. I thank you, Father, that in you all things are possible. And I pray, Father, that we will become a people of prayer. We will become a people who lays down our life to you. We submit to you. We surrender to you in every aspect of our life. We don't hold anything back. That, Father, we, we long to experience more of you. And Father, I pray that if there's people in this, in this room who struggle with prayer, I pray, Father, that uh, they would just come before you each and every day. And whether they can say anything or not, I know that at some stage you will speak to them in their lives. And just like that church I mentioned in, in New York, those people had never prayed, never come before you. But they came on a regular basis every Wednesday and gradually you began to work in their lives and they became so encouraged that they shared it with their friends and they shared it with family and, and other people and their church, their prayer meetings grew and their, their church grew and I pray Father that would happen here that we would become a people of prayer that Father we would give everything to you that, Father, you have a plan and a purpose for every life in this church this morning. And yet for so many, that plan and purpose is not realised. So I pray, Father, that you would instill in our hearts this morning that passion for you, that passion for your name, that passion to see your kingdom come that passion to get down on our knees and pray each day to you. And Father, we will see your glory fall. Thank you, Jesus.